We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. The Score! I mean, is that really a question? Because of the one and two? Uh, the, way, the easy way, the way he handled the media yesterday was funny. Because first of all, I've got to say in the air, first of all, finally, Scott Merkin got the guts to say something, you know, uh, they should be asking before that about Tony making that move. Wait a second. That's it. That was Scott Merkin of MLB.com asking the question and Ozzie Guillen on Mully and Haw singling him out for having the guts to ask that question. And I, I earlier said, I did not know I said this, Sean Sears didn't tell me, and I went ahead blindly and I said Mully and Handley when I was talking about the emergency meeting of Ozzie Guillen and coming on Friday. So a 815 texter sent this in as I'm I'm currently criticizing myself. Mully and Hanley, get it together, LOL. Hey, suck guy. It's not Mully and Hanley. Hey, Steve Bevington, time to hang it up. Check the tape. Maybe you shouldn't wake and bake during the show. And the final text from 815, listen to the suckage weekly, pulled semi over to text. Back to work. Stay safe. Well, I can feel the love. (laughs) Just... Wanted to share that. Here you go. As close to the scene of the crime, the error as possible. And speaking of errors, we are going to talk to Scott Merkin. He's not the error, but he talked about the to the manager about that. Scott, what were you what were you thinking when that response? First of all, when the move happened on the field, and then you okay, we got to ask this question, and then you asked well, it, and you got that response. I think it became more of a question when. You know, you see the which we don't get to see live. You see the the tape of Max Muncie going viral. Max Muncie obviously saying something towards the White Sox dugout. And again, not a bad thing. I think Max Muncie should react that way, right? If if you right. walk someone, if you're a guy who I think someone was on the other day in the press box, he's had three years of 35 or more home runs, and you know you walk a guy. Granted, I think Trey Turner is probably the best hitter in a lineup that's you know going to end up being historically good at least as of this week as of thursday so i understand overall not wanting to let the best guy beat you in that situation or as tony said he would have walked into the lake if uh 
he had pitched mm-hmm. to Trey Turner, and Trey Turner had a home run. But, you know, it became more of a story because of Muncy's reaction. And the funny thing was we never really talked to him about Muncy's reaction out of the whole thing. But it had to be asked. And he, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for, you know, it, 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 you give him credit because he stood up for what he believed. And I was talking to him about this off the record yesterday. We had a nice conversation after the media session. And, you know, he has conviction of what he wanted to do. And he did it. It didn't work. I'm curious what the response would have been, even if like Muncy flew out to the wall. Let's say it wasn't even a routine out that, you know, it just missed the three run homer. Would people have just, you know, kind of said, okay, bad move, but it worked or whatever, or still would have been mad about it. So, you know, what I'm saying basically is I've done this a long time. Other people have gotten angry before. It's something I've asked. And I think he was more, he took umbrage more than he got angry. Wasn't profane, wasn't degrading. He just, he shot back and that's fine. And I, you know, went back and talked to him. That's how it's supposed to be. You got to ask the questions. He gave the answers. He laid it out. He stood behind what he believed. And I, you got to give credit to that. If you, you know, if you're going to make a move that may end up controversial, uh, you got to stand behind what you believe. And he did that, right? So you weren't surprised when he doubled down on it, even though I thought there was a lot of gobbledygook involved yesterday when he, he was rehashed it and I just I had no under no idea where I, I was hoping he would run into a point but I guess the only point I got was he was doubling down you're not surprised that happened no well I mean in, de- in defense of Tony on this one he didn't really rehash it he was asked about it so it wasn't yeah. like he sat there and said hey I want to bring up again what happened you know Thursday someone a reporter asked him he answered that's kind of the way Tony answers sometimes and you know he, he made his point and I think you know, one salient quote that he had post game last night was he said, you know, he's had used these kind of parables before. Where he said, unlike football, you don't have to wait a whole week when you have a game like Thursday. So they come back last night. It's a back and forth game. Texas hits three monsters, solo blasts. It's a tight game, two outs, nobody on. Jake Berger busts his butt down the line to beat out a misplay that ended up being an infield hit. It leads to five runs. Yasmani Grandal has a big hit. He's starting to come around, although he said, you know, he's not there yet. It's more not not there yet. It's more a physical thing. Moncada gets a hit. So it's interesting how, you know, just it, it's a very up and down team. And I see Sox fans on Twitter and I see Sox fans in person. And it goes from one day to, you know, get rid of everyone, trade everyone. This is the most disappointing season ever to two wins later. You know, they may run away with this thing in the second half. So it's a very up and down <laughs> season, partially because. I get it because they've waited a long time to be at this point, right? They sat through a rebuild. They sat through a good rebuild. There's a lot of really great talent on this team, and they didn't expect to be looking up on June 11th and be five games behind the Twins and two games behind the Guardians at this point. We're talking with Scott Merkin of MLB.com. He's joining us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. So the... The, the hitting performances yesterday were by people you needed to see do something, especially Yasmani yes. Grandal. And and I I was overjoyed that Larry Garcia was not batting first or second yesterday, so the bar is not particularly high, and he's not batting first or second today, so there's a chance they could they could win again. And Lucas Giolito on the mound, and then there's Lance Lynn with awful sort of awful rehab numbers, but he's still Lance Lynn. And I don't know. I know they want to they expect, look, they hope for an all-star coming back, but where does this leave the Sox? What do you, how do you see this with Lance Lynn coming back? Probably pitching Tuesday. 
Yeah, some people were discussing with me the other day, I, I, and they made a good point. I, I don't think Lance Lynn really probably cared about the results as much about the quality of pitches. We haven't spoken to him. You know, he's back with the team right now. But I'm guessing, you know, he's not going to look back and say, man, if only my ERA was a point or two lower when I was with Charlotte. You know, I mean, I think he was trying to get trying to get the pitch count up, trying to make sure. And, and he made a great point about this when he talked to us before he left for the rehab. He said, you know, he didn't want to come back just to come back, just to be a guy who went three or four innings and then you had to cover for him. This is a guy who prides himself on going six, seven deeper into the game. So he wanted to come back when he knew he could do his job. So that says something to me that, you know, Tony has him penciled in for Tuesday in Detroit. So again, you know, it may take a little bit to get him up and going, but the bottom line is you're going to have him for the last, what, uh, 110 games of the season. And that's you know not that he's playing every day, obviously, but you know, every fifth day for the next 110 games. So that's a huge boost for the White Sox. And when you think about it, the bottom line is for them to get in. Now they want to win the division, and they're probably not going to get in off a wild card with the way the, a- uh, say the AFC, not the AFC, right? The ALE is yeah, shaping up. And we're not there yet. We're not quite no. there yet. At least I didn't say the Big Ten East. Um, so <laughs> if you win the division, look at that pitching they have to throw out in a series. You know, you have Kopech, Giolito, Lynn, and uh, Cease. That, that, that stacks up with pretty much anyone, even lineups like the Yankees and, you know, now the Red Sox are hitting or the Blue Jays. Boy, the Blue Jays have a great lineup. So that that, stack, that matches up pretty well if you get to a playoff series. So I think the bottom line is just kind of win today. You're getting guys back and just hope things keep progressing in the right direction. Speaking of C's, Scott Merkin, that yes. outing was should should the manager, the Hall of Famer baseball person have known to get somebody up, get this guy out and see what wasn't on his pitches anymore and uh, the other day and before before the intentional walk and any before the intentional walk, there was that there was Dylan Cease. What right. do you think? And I kind of agree and disagree with his explanation on that one. So, you know, he said when he was questioned by one of the other reporters, I think it was James Vegan who asked him about you know, leaving him in for the 45 pitch inning. And he said, well, he struck out bets. So you got to leave him in. Okay, that's fine. That's why he got Freeman who then doubled. And I get the Turner, you know, basically because of his amazing speed beats out a, a, a somewhat routine ground, not routine, but a high hopper to third. That wasn't exactly killed. But I think at some point you can say, okay, we're not going to get him through five. So let's get someone going. So I don't think just because he struck out bets, which is what the explanation he kind of gave is why he keeps going. And he kind of, expanded on it a little bit yesterday but you know hey i mean i'm not an apologist for anyone on this you know i've enjoyed covering him so far i think he's made some good moves i think he's made some moves that can be questioned but i would say that you could go uh into any manager you know even the best of them right that you can question moves they've made there's no one that's gone through even world series i mean i still hear to this day people questioning moves joe madden made in 2016 and that was for a World Series championship, was the first one in 108 years for that franchise, right? So no one's above board on that. But I, I do think that the original explanation of he struck up bets so he gets to stay in has to end at some point, right? And it did at 45 pitches for that inning. So the 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 other pitcher I want to talk about, and I, I don't know what how this has played out and maybe I've missed the reporting on it, but – the man, the manager making the decision to walk Trey Turner on a one or two count. If I'm a pitcher, if I'm Bennett Sousa, I'm thinking, wait, what? I pitch better against righties. You have no faith in me to get one strike on this guy. And Bennett Sousa knows he's not as nearly as good against lefties. In fact, lefties pound him. 
no matter who that left-handed hitter is and what he might be right. struggling with. So if I'm Ben at Souza, I, I, I wouldn't, maybe I'm thinking about it when I'm pitching to Max Muncie after going like, how does I want to earn a spot based on a high leverage position and my manager dismisses me. And there was very little, if anything said on Thursday about Bennett Souza's presence in this calculation. And then when Tony LaRusso said something about it on Friday, he said, Souza gets left-handers out. He gets right-handers out. Well, you know, it doesn't left-handers slug 200 points more than have an OPS more than 200 points higher uh, left-handed hitters than right-handed hitters against him. It was clearly a, 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 to me, it looked like the manager doesn't know his players. And I don't know what Bennett Souza might be thinking, whether all confidence is, is waived in him now. Has there been any discussion, any questioning? Has Bennett Souza said anything about that? Yeah, I've not spoken to Bennett. I saw him in the clubhouse today. He seemed to be in very good spirits walking around. But remember, this is a guy who's a rookie who probably, you know, in fairness to him or in deference to him, made the team out of spring training because Jared Crochet, who is now with the team again, doing some, you know, some rehab work, he kind of splits his time between here and Arizona, was hurt and had Tommy John surgery. You know, I don't think Ben Sousa was an original projection when spring training finally began. So he earned his way on there with the injury. And Tony has shown faith in him. I remember he closed out the sweep at Fenway Park. He got the last out with the game on the line with guys on base with the chance to lose the game in Fenway Park. So I think in this situation, Tony just went handedness. You know, he decided that. But I think more than handedness, he was looking at the numbers of Trey Turner, like I said, you know, even though you have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman who are both reigning, not reigning, but former MVPs, outstanding players. Mookie Betts is just an amazing player just to watch do everything he does. He looked at the numbers and said, Trey Turner is the best guy right now. Even at one and two, I'm not going to let him beat me. And Max Muncy, who had come back from the IL that day, was hitting, what, like 153 going into the game. So I think even more – he did mention the the numbers, but I think even more than numbers, it goes deeper just that I'm going to take a lefty-on-lefty chance here and a guy who has not hit this year. And, you know, he did hit. He drove in five runs in that game, and they won the game. He was extra motivated after being insulted. Well, Scott, I appreciate your time. Thanks for t- taking time out on a game day for us. Appreciate it. Sure. Anytime, Steve. Take care. All right. That's Scott Merkin, MLB.com. <clears throat> and there you go. I'm sure this won't die, and I'm sure that there'll be something else coming along as, as Mark Grody, who was on an hour ago, is talking. Tornado Tony. <clears throat> it hits. And leaves damage, and people talk about it, and then there's another tornado. That was a really good description by Mark. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will discuss Bears football. Just what did the Tevin Jenkins thing move mean? Do you believe it? The coach is telling you don't read too much into it, but my next guest read something into it. So we'll talk to Hubarkish about that and the Bears and other things on Saturday Suckage. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Been around so many quarterbacks just the last two stops, Dallas, obviously with Dak and Indy. Through this stage, what's the potential nature of where Justin is and what you see thus far, given the quarterbacks that you've been a part of working with, mm-hmm. even on the defensive side? Yeah, so uh, I can really probably compare this to Dak the most because he was young like this when I was there um, as a rookie and then a second-year player. Um, and he, we saw him just grow before our eyes. And he's a, he's a talent 
you know, he's a, he's a guy that can, you know, throw on time, but also make, you know, extended plays and throw down the field. And, and that's where I see, you know, where Justin is. And I'm not con- trying to compare those two players. They're different players, but, but certainly you can see the, the jump that we're going to make here with Justin. And, uh, and I can see those things as he starts to mature in the offense. Take that. You take that. You take Justin Fields turning into Dak Prescott. That's Matt Eberflus, uh, the current coach of the Bears, talking quarterbacks in his NFL career. So welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum with you on Saturday Suckage. We're going to the score hotline. It is presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And we welcome back to the show the Ubermacher at Shaw Local. He's Hub Arkish. Hub, how are you? I am good, Steve. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, Dak Prescott, that's a nice bar. That may be too high. That's a not. You heard that. You you hear that again. You go, okay, now what? Do we, what do we do with this? Do we, is this just high hopes? Is Does he mean it? Is this just searching for something? What do you think? No, I, I think he means it. He, you know, he was asked for the best comp. And, and when you look at them stylistically, I, I can understand the, uh, you know, again, based on where he's been, he's been in Cleveland, he's been in Dallas, he's been in Indianapolis, uh, and, and that's you know what he was asked to compare to. And to be honest with you, I think that Justin Fields' ceiling is probably a little bit higher than, than Dak Prescott's. Uh, I don't know that he has better arm talent, but he has a stronger arm, and he's definitely a little bit better athlete. You know, so um, uh, it's certainly worth aspiring to. And uh, of, of the guys that uh, that Flus has worked with in the past, or at least worked around. That's probably the name I think you'd expect him to come up with. Hub Arkish joins us. He, uh, you can find his work at Shaw Local, and we're here and on the score, and that's where we are now. So the the Tevin Jenkins move, move to the second team, and coaches like to, especially new coaches, like to play toy soldiers, and that's what he tried to play it off as. No, I don't read too much into this. Um, you sort of read into it. You... You, you told us how this might or might not play out or what we could have passed as prologue. Where does this go? Share with the class what you thought of what happened, what was said, and where you think this goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the key to start with, Steve, is, is you don't want to read too much into it. These are OTAs, or uh, one of my favorite descriptions of all time came from Foxy, John Fox, that it's a bunch of guys in their underwear running around on grass. And, and you know, <laughs> so, you know, how do you know who's a better offensive lineman. You know, they don't have pads on. There's no contact. They're not blocking anybody. But what is troubling to me about it is not that he dropped him to the second team. It's that he changed the left tackle. And so the normal move would be to give Larry Borum a day or two with the second team. But instead, they move Borum over to the right side and drop Jenkins. And, and, you know, this is all about they keep telling us don't read too much into it. We're just trying to find our five best. Well, at this point in the various maneuvers they've had on the offensive line, Cody Whitehair hasn't been off the field. Uh, Lucas Patrick, who quite frankly has done nothing to deserve being handed Sam Mustafer's job, uh, you know, has, has not been off the field. And now Borum has not been off the field. And what really intrigues me is that the, the biggest need, even bigger than the tackles right now, is that Dakota Dozier has spent seven years proving he's not a starting guard in the NFL. It doesn't appear to be Sam Mustafer's natural position. It is Larry Borum's probably most natural position. And so if you were going to move him, 
put them over at right guard where you don't even have a starter and, and let Jenkins keep getting these reps, you know. So uh, at the end of the day, it, it's absolutely true, and I'm, I'm not trying to start any controversy here. Until we get into camp a week or two and they're starting to bang on each other, you don't want to make too much of this. But there, there's just there, there's a, there's an aura around Tevin Jenkins right now that, that just doesn't feel right and, uh, to me. And, 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 you know, what they're saying when they say we keep trying these different combinations to find out who our five best are, then they're, you know, acknowledging the possibility that, that Jenkins isn't one of their five best. And, and they seem to be convinced that, that at least Whitehair and, and Patrick and, and Borum are. And I tend to agree with that. I think those three will be amongst their five best. But that's the distinction that, that you know, Flus is asking us to ignore with this stuff. Havarkish is our guest here on Saturday Suckage. Just because you're one of the Bears' five best does not mean you're part of a NFL-quality offensive line. Or does it in this case? The, the perception, My perception is this, is just because you're good enough to play for the Bears doesn't mean that you're protecting Justin Fields well enough or you'll be able to. I think I, I guess I fear they're getting overwhelmed. I think that's why the fullback was brought in. I just think that's why they're <clears throat> maybe Max Protect is their new offensive coordinator. I don't know how it's going to go. How do you think it's going to go, and how safe or how in danger do you believe Justin Fields is? You know, Rosie, I, I think that the, the offensive line can be improved. Um, because they're going to be playing a different style in a different system. And I'm not saying these guys are bad football players, but what I feel even more strongly about is that no matter how much improved they are this year, they're still going to need to get better talent next year because you just you don't have anybody who screams, you know, I'm going to the Pro Bowl before I'm done. Now, we know Cody Whitehair did, and, you know, Cody Whitehair did that as a center, by the way. I, I think he is just as comfortable at guard, so you're fine there. Um, but beyond that, again, I, I'm going to go back one more time while I say I'm not trying to beat it up. The best prospect on this line right now is Tevin Jenkins. I mean, you know, he's the highest drafted of the pair. Actually, him and Whitehair were both the 39th pick uh, in the first round. Um, uh, but one of the reasons that you get away with not doing more in free agency and the draft to address the offensive line was the hope that you've got your future bookend tackles in Jenkins and Borum. And, and so, you know, getting off the Jenkins thing, though, and just looking at this, whoever the five best are, um, they're going to play a system that, that is more conducive to less talented offensive linemen, the, 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 this wide zone, outside zone read, let's run the football as much as we can, let's bang it with two tight ends, let's take more advantage of Justin Fields' uh, athleticism. So all that is going to help. Um, but at the end of the day, Again, past Cody Whitehair, I don't know if you have anybody who's going to be good enough at their position to say this is the offensive line of the future. I think there is still tremendous hope for, for Borum and, and, and for Jenkins, and we don't know about the other four linemen they drafted this year. I mean, you know, I, I look at really other than Braxton Jones um, uh, and Zachary Thomas, I, I think the rest are, are real projects. Uh, but those two could end up starting linemen in the NFL someday. So, you know, they're addressing it. They're, I think they probably will get better for a lot of different reasons. But I don't think that the talent on the offensive line that makes it a playoff line, one that wins games in the playoffs, is all here yet. I don't I don't think so either. And yet I'm – I think part of the frustration <clears> – <throat> sorry – with um, with a rookie coach is you don't know – 
you don't have a profile on his moves or his decisions. There are coaches and managers who make odd moves but eventually arrive at the right combination. Joel Quenville was notorious for doing that, especially in the playoffs. Then he <clears throat> he got his team right, and by the end of the playoffs, they were winning games four, four through seven, whatever you needed. We don't have that book on Eberflus, so we don't know. That makes it frustrating. So you, then you're relying on the talent, on the off, on and the judges, the, the offensive coordinator, and the offensive line coach, and the talent that you see. Do you feel any of that frustration? Do you think, well, we don't know really what this guy's MO is, and that's part of what's going on here? I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I'm probably feeling uh, the same way. I guess it's just semantics. I, I wouldn't call it frustration, only because, you know, Rosie, I, I've been covering this team for 45 years now. This will be 46 years, and, and I've never seen this before. This is a complete rebuild. Uh, I mean, you know, if you go all the way back, even when they were breaking... It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. For how we brought these players in and, and where they came from and their backgrounds, you know, we're looking for specific traits and, and makeup. Um, are some going to take a little bit longer than others? Yes. Um, but the main goal here was just to continue to increase the competition up front. And we feel like these guys that we, that we brought in do that. And we're just going to slowly get better every single year, every season. And we'll, we'll get this thing improved. So... Uh, we're heading in the right direction. Ryan Poles, Bears general manager, talking about the offensive line. That's what we were talking about. Sorry about that technical problem. And Hub is back with us. Hub, we were talking about the offensive line. We don't have a, a book on Eberflus. But the thing is, we do have a book on the defense he's going to play, even if he's not that guy here. And it looks very familiar to what Lovey Smith did, starting with the three technique that you wrote about. And I want you to share that with the class because that looks familiar. It can look familiar. We have a better, as fans, right, just as observers, we should have a better handle on on how well that's going to go based on what we see because we've seen that before. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just I, I apologize. I don't know what the technical glitch was. I was giving a stunningly brilliant answer, too. Um, but it was, <laughs> I, I, I think the thing that, that, that makes this – different for us, Steve, is, is that we've never seen a complete rebuild with this team before. I haven't, you know, 45 years on this beat, uh, you know, they, they've kind of moved out and tried to change on the fly. Well, here they just cleaned house. You know, they sent 10 starters away and didn't even try and re-sign them. And, and that's why everything feels so different and so uncertain. And then you've got the rookie coach. But as you say, uh, what Flus is doing is exactly what Lovey Smith did when he got here in 2005, uh, 2004. Uh, this defense is going to look very familiar, not at first, because it's not going to have a Brian Urlacher or a Mike Brown or a Peanut Tillman or a Lance Briggs, although in Roquan Smith and hopefully in Jalon Johnson and maybe the kid Kyler Gordon and even Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker, they've got everything except the three technique, or at least at those key positions. The three technique, the will linebacker, and at least one really solid cover corner are the key to playing this defense. And in Justin Jones, you got a guy who, A, was not your first choice. That was Larry Ogunjobi. And while those three days were going on, while he was failing the physical, your second and third choice might have signed elsewhere. Justin Jones is an interesting prospect, but he shouldn't have been the highest paid of their free agents this year. And yet he was. He only got $6 million a year, but he got a two-year deal. 
Um, and the reason is because they had to get somebody to start with at that position. Now, I think you'll also see Mario Edwards Jr. push him a little bit because he's been a man without a position in a 3-4 the last couple of years. But everything about this defense is about creating chaos, and they start by trying to do that up front by letting this three-technique tackle penetrate on almost every play. And Jones is, is interesting. You'll be looking, you're, you'll be hoping to see Tommy Harris. He was the guy who made it go last time. Remember, he had a couple back-to-back all-pro seasons. I don't think there's much chance that either Justin Jones or Mario Jr. is going to be that, um, but they can be a version of that. And, and, and when you, once you see that start to happen, then you're going to see the takeaways start to come back, and that's going to be exciting. We're talking with Hub Arkish. He is the Ubermacher at Shaw Local, talking Bears football with him. And the turnovers are huge. We saw what happened in 2018. It, it deodorized a mediocre offense, and it would give a young quarterback a lot more margin for error, and that quarterback is going to make those errors. Whatever steps Justin Fields takes, there are still going to be those errors. It's going to happen. But one of the things that he's now have to think about as opposed to react to, the way Luke Getze wants him to step Shorter step, shorter strides, change that, almost like you're changing your delivery and in, in, in wind up in baseball. And I don't know what you've been, if you've got any chance to really judge what it looks like, how good it looks, how comfortable he looks with it. Can you give us a scouting report or is it too early? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, this is the time to work on technique. The first thing they did was change his lead foot. They felt that he was putting himself a half a step before because you don't line up with your feet, uh, you know, parallel to each other the way you would in a good batting stance or a golf swing. You're going to have one foot forward, and, and they've reversed that. And then they've tried to shorten his delivery a little bit. Now, people are talking about his release and how quickly the ball's coming out. That really doesn't have anything to do with this. This is more about getting him in the proper throwing position once he makes those decisions. And that we're not going to see until they're actually playing football, going full speed with some contact. But you definitely always want to get technique right first. This is a good time to work on it. And he does look more comfortable. He he definitely, everything about him looks more self-assured right now. And I think a lot of that is, and I forget who it was. It might have been my writing partner, Sean Hammond at Shaw Wokel, who we were talking about this the other day, um, in that, you know, he is unfettered now. You know, last year, he wasn't even competing for a different spot. You knew it was Andy Dalton's spot. I think the assumption that everybody but Matt Nagy had was that, you know, Nick Foles would be the guy you'd go to if you had to until Fields was ready. But, but they didn't do that. And so, you know, he wasn't really allowed to be out there leading and feeling confident and feeling comfortable. He was supposed to be the student. Well, now by clearing out that room, you know Trevor Simeon and Nate Peterman, if you go to them, it's only because of an injury or, or you know something else that happened. And so just by, by its nature, he's the man now. That's making him more comfortable. And I think some of this technique work that they're doing is making him even more comfortable but then when we ask to project what it all means, we still got to see the real thing when they get to training camp to really have any idea how much he's actually grown. Hub, we have a 312 texter who is uh, writing this. Hey, Steve, can you ask Hub what he thinks of Lloyd Carr's grandson committing to play to quarterback at Notre Dame? Um, you know, as a Michigan alum, I think it's sacrilege, and, and, and I think there should be <laughs> penalties. 
I, well, I don't know. You know, Rosie, how many, not, not you or I for obvious reasons, but how many people do you know whose whole family grows up dreaming going to the dome, you, you know? And, and I'm sure that could be a part of it. Uh, I, as a grandfather myself, I try not to even involve myself in kids' decisions, let alone make them for them. Uh, so, you know, it's disappointing. He may also be looking at the fact, though, that with, with, with J.J. McCarthy and McNamara coming back, there's not going to be any playing time at Michigan for a little while. So, um, you know, there's a lot that comes into it. It's unfortunate that that legacy isn't staying in Ann Arbor, but it's certainly you never want to deprive a young man or woman of their dreams. And, and I assume that this is a dream of his that he's going to live and you know, wish him nothing but the best. All right, before I let you go, i got to ask you the question I asked early on in the show. Which do you think sucks more, being a Cubs fan this year or being a Sox fan? <laughs> um, well, I, I think pretty easily a Cubs fan because you know it's going to continue and end the way it's going right now. You know, and so uh, with, I mean, with the Sox, you know, the, the start is disappointing. Obviously, you know, a ton of injuries at least, you know, contributing to it, if not being the cause. Um, I have been curious about the managerial choice since they made it last year. It worked last year. I don't know if it's still working. It's not going to change. Um, but there's so much talent on that Sox team that if I was a Sox fan, I'd still be, you know, at least looking forward to and excited about it. With the Cubs, Rosie, you know, what is there to be excited about right now? Uh, you know, until we start to see if some of these kids can actually play, which is still, you know, a year or two, three years away. It's a pretty rough time to be buying the most expensive tickets of Major League Baseball sitting out there. Well, there you go. We've covered it all. Hub, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming back on the phone. Thanks for being a part of the, the show this afternoon. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Steve. I hope all is well by you, and I'll talk to you soon. You too. There's Hub Arkish, Shaw Local, the Ubermacher, talking football and college football and baseball. He's a big Cup fan. See, I you'd think you can make the argument that it, it's worse to be a Sox fan because Cubs had no World Series delusions. They knew their their management quit on them before. They made weird signings in Marcus Stroman, who's now hurt. They keep Kyle Hendricks, who's dealing with something they won't say. And they signed they got they got Wade Miley, and now he's hurt. And oh yeah, we're gonna roll those guys out there. Really? Well, now you're not. But. Swarmer's pitching, and he's been really good. And everybody was mad that he was called up instead of Caleb Killian. He was pitching better than Caleb Killian, arguably. Not that Caleb Killian was pitching bad. But there's that's what you do with a situation the Cubs are in. There's kind of the hope. You have to pick and choose. If you're a Sox fan, I would think it would be much more, much more miserable. I think it would be harder to be a Sox fan because – Hub is right. There's tremendous talent there. And you could say, you could take, you know, Steve Stone often talks about it on these airwaves and on the on the broadcast on NBC Sports Chicago with Jason Benetti, that you look at that talent and what, and the given is that Tim Anderson has to be there because nothing good is going to happen without Tim Anderson. But the presumption is he'll be there. And there's a lot of talent on that team starting with Tim Anderson. Now, here's the mistake. Here's the pitfall for Sox fans when we get these guys back Lloyd's coming back when we get and Lance Lynn's coming back and Tim's coming back and well says who and who says that everybody else is going to stay healthy because there's a history otherwise doesn't it feel like 
Moncada's bugged by something. Look, Looking at that. Eloy Jimenez couldn't even come back from his comeback. Now he's got to sit down for five days, cooling off period, which would seem to turn back the clock to zero. Lance Lynn, you just, I, I assume he's more of a veteran than he is an old guy, and he's going to be, he's going to be able to find that major league stuff. Tim Anderson seems to be progressing faster than it was first feared. But what makes you think Louis Roberts not going to get hurt again? Or Jake Berger? I, guys get hurt. It's what happens in baseball. And this has been a regular thing. That's the problem if you're a Sox fan. And then when the manager costs you games and you know that these are precious because you don't know how completely healthy your lineup, your roster is going to be, who boy. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. And the other thing, too, for the White Sox is, like, obviously they're, they're dealing with these injuries and, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out who's going to be on this roster necessarily. But, like, you just don't know what you can expect out of the guys they signed to fill some of those roles. Like A.J. Pollock, like, you just don't know if that guy's going to be a realistic option in the outfield. You know, can, can you realistically rely on someone like, you know, uh, Jay Hay at second base? You know, these, these guys that were maybe not supposed to elevate the team were at least supposed to be league average, and they're, they're, they're playing terrible. You know, A.J. Pollock's been better, but, you know, you're, you're looking at a lot of these young guys asking them to step up, and the real thing that should be happening is, like, Yasmani Grandal is a guy that should be hitting better than he is. You know, he was walking all the time last year. He's not walking, and he's not getting hits now. Um, you look at this rotation, and, you know, you, you hope that Giolito and hopefully Lance Lynn can steer the ship into the right direction, but it hasn't been what you expected to. So then when you talk about, like, silly stuff like Tony LaRusso walking a guy in a 1-2 count, you just just continue to diminish that margin of error for the White Sox. But the one glimmer of hope they've got right now is that they have yet to play the Twins this season. So they still have 17 more games to play against the team that's currently leading their division. So they no, could wait, turn wait, things wait, around. Wait, 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 They played them. Didn't, didn't La Russa refuse to intentionally You're right. walk Bryant Buxton? You're right. Buxton. I mean, so they have the one a 3-0 count, and he wouldn't watch, walk Buxton, but a 1-2 count, and he's walking Trey Turner. <laughs> right. So his pitcher, his left-handed pitcher, who is worse against lefties, can face a lefty. Jeez, yeah. that's right. I forgot. I completely forgot about that. That was, I mean, that was another, I mean, that was another infamous Tony LaRusso screw up there too. So, I mean, the guy's supposed to be a Hall of Fame manager and supposed to be the difference for your team. And instead he's, he's definitely the detriment to your team. 802 texture being Sox fans. I say Sox because they're expected to do big, good things, big things, good things, and not getting it done. And, you know, I, I say that's why it's more, you had greater, greater hopes. I mean, they're not done. The Sox have not lost a World Series. They don't have a spot in the tournament for the World Series right now. They're two and a half games out of the wild, last wild card. They're five five games out of first place in the division behind the uh, Twins and Guardians. So um, I, I certainly there's enough time to make it up. And when you look at like the Braves last year, right. they kept bouncing around 500, 500, 500. Then they got really aggressive. They're, they traded for one guy who was the NLCS MVP, and they traded for another guy who was the World Series MVP. That That's making it count. But they were bumping around 500, and you look at the Nationals, they were 19 right. and 30. They got to Memorial Day. And in White Sox history, the Astros team that the White Sox swept in 2005 was 15 and 30 on Memorial Day. 
15 and 30. Man, I didn't realize they were that bad coming into the uh, Memorial Day at that point. Right. So it's it, it, you can look at it and you can you have a matter to judge. Well, here's a milestone. What are the chances of this? What are the chances of that? Not impossible is the answer. And that's a team you can you can hug you can embrace that talent and say it's there. Dylan Cease needs to, you know, let's let's say he gets handled better and get look gets back to that Cy Young candidate. Lucas Giolito is that guy, can be that guy. Let's say he's he goes on that kind of run and starts pitching better and and then Lance Lynn comes back and he's Lance Lynn and you know what? If Johnny Cueto is is any kind of twerking Johnny Cueto, then then that's your biggest your biggest issue is you got to make sure you're running pitching out there. I know they need hitting. And there was Yasmani Grandal last night. He was being Yasmani Grandal, driving the runs, being a force. Now the problem with using that as a harbinger is remember how everybody used the Tim Anderson Homer and the Josh Donaldson situation sure. in Yankee Stadium as a harbinger. How long did it take him to win another game after that? Six games? Five yeah, games? I think it was another five-game losing streak. So that's what's, that's what's bedeviling about this team, that lack of consistency. And it's, it's organizational. It's not just all Tony La Russa. Part of it's Rick Hahn. You know what? Right. Second base is still a black hole. And you what, what's going on there? And it becomes even more acute when Tim Anderson's hurt. And they are, they've done a really good job with, with the depth. You would think Gavin Sheets would have been better. Now he's just been sent down. Now it wasn't Gavin Sheets of last year. That wasn't Yasmani Grandal of last year. It was Eloy Jimenez of last year because you expect that injury. Louis Robert, you expect that injury. That There's no reason to think that they're going to stay healthy the rest of the way. They just don't. I think you have to expect them not to, right? Right, you do. So depth is important. Rick Hahn earns, earns his money at, as we approach the August 2nd trading deadline. And there's no, no saying you can't do it early. And now kind of starts the discussion season. You get to Memorial Day, you're past Memorial Day, you go, okay, where are we now? What are our chances? Look at the deals the Cubs made. And after they started failing, they weren't didn't all wait till the trading deadline. They were making some moves. They were looking to do it. And frequently you've seen those teams make moves um, at by the All-Star game, right? The Jose, uh, Jose Quintana trade came down at the All-Star game, right? Quintana for Eloy and Cease? It did, that yeah. Was, that was Rick Hahn and Theo Epstein playing hide-and-go-seek from everybody and making that deal. So um, the more you're willing to overpay now because you get more use of the players you trade for. Now, what they have that people might consider a value, I don't know. I don't know. I know it's time to leave. Maybe the Eagles. That's it. Uh, I want to thank our guest today, Nancy Armour, USA Today. She's terrific. Mark Grody, he's terrific. Dave the Cat's owner and hugger. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, talking socks. Hub Arkish, Shaw Local, talking bears. And uh, asking the never-ending question, does it suck more to be a White Sox fan or a Cup fan this year? And Sean Sears and I were debating that with texters and callers. I want to thank everyone who listened to Saturday Suckage. Cubs baseball will be coming on this afternoon at 540 with Zach Zabin. Saturday Suckage on to score. Already gone.
it wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait, wait a minute, minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.